Was there an Adam? Was there an Eve? Or did we evolve from what we conceived? Either way, we got what we needed when the sun shone down on the Garden of Eden. Hey everybody, this is Harvey Sluggo Wasserman back for the 128th Green Grassroots Emergency Election Protection Coalition call. We have, as always, a very full agenda and welcome to my our listeners at the Progressive Radio Network, the uh, Solartopia Green Power Wellness Show. Uh, as you can see, I'm at the beach as usual. We uh, have uh, more than, we got 45 people with us to start. We are going to do a very, very heavy focus today on the extremely important uh, Wisconsin Supreme Court race. We are joined by uh, Ruth Conniff and uh, um, Norm Stockwell uh, from uh, Wisconsin and Greg Lewis from the uh, Souls to the Polls. It's going to be a very, very powerful discussion on grassroots organizing. Uh, we're going to open very briefly with an announcement about the uh, with from Vinnie DiStefano uh, about the uh, tour of the uh, Julian Assange film. Uh, then in the second hour, we're going to go deep, deep, deep into nukes. We have major crises in Ukraine and in California. And with the small modular reactors at the zoo, we're going to be uh, joined by Josh Frank of Counterpunch. Um, Linda Seeley from Mothers for Peace, um, and, uh, Linda Gunter and Paul Gunter from uh, uh, Beyond Nuclear. So and that, that one will be open-ended. We're going to do the first hour here. Uh, uh, we're going to get deep into Wisconsin, but first, uh, Vince DiStefano, do you want to announce, uh, tell us about the uh, tour of the Julian Assange film, please, Vinny DiStefano? It would be my distinct pleasure. Um, uh, the Assange defense kicked off here in Los Angeles, where I am right now at the UCLA School of Law on February the 28th. We've had three screenings here so far. And John and Gabriel Shipton, with the exception of the screenings that will occur in the next week, will be at every one of the events with a Q&A there afterwards. If you'd like to find out, and I will post in the chat here, and for those of you listening, if you go to the AssangeDefense.org website forward slash Ithaca, you can find most of the information there on when the screening will be in your area. They're happening at many of the Alamo uh, draft houses. They've generously given us an opportunity to be there. This is an incredibly important screening because it humanizes Julian to a degree that we haven't seen. We see his wife, his children, his father, his brother talking about the pain and suffering that they have. Um, one of the most stalwart uh, sponsors of Julian is the man directly behind me. And I would be remiss if not mentioning Daniel Ellsberg, who's an incredible hero and unfortunately now is dying of inoperable pancreatic cancer. He has three, six months to live. I don't mind mentioning that because he's already mentioned that on his Facebook page and okay. his social media elsewhere. And then we've invited Dan to come on the on uh, the the uh, this Zoom. So if you want to have Dan come on, let him know. By all means, as, I will. As I mentioned, really will. we were arrested together at the, in 1980 at the Pentagon with Ben Spock and and Dan Els Dan uh, Berrigan. It was quite an event. So Dan Ellsberg, we send you our best. Um, uh, six months to live. That means you'll be around another six to ten years, and uh, we're looking forward to it. So and Vinny, thank you for that. You may want you bet. To if I can add one more thing, please. It is imperative that we fill the seats at these theaters because after the screening is done at the end of April, they'll be doing a general release. But the point is of these screenings is to stand up for freedom of the press, freedom of speech, not just here in the United States, but around the globe, because this will set horrible, if he's extradited, it'll set horrible precedents for all of those things, not just here but abroad as well. So we want to fill those seats. So please see it or like they say, voting in Chicago, see it early, see it often. <laughs> now, also, have you connected with Norm Stockwell from the progressive.org? Are you doing a screening in Wisconsin? Uh, yes, we are. We are. Okay. And I believe he is part of that. We were discussing it. Twin Seas Media is the distribution firm that is handling this. They have a special logistic firm to get uh, uh, Gabriel and John around from place to place. They're incredibly engaging, very warm, and uh, we'll answer okay. all your questions. You'll get a chance to meet them as well. Okay, Norm has posted it's April 10th in Madison. Yes. April 10th in Madison. Um, are you in Minnesota? Any trips on the line? Maybe you can uh, connect with Hetty and uh, go to uh, Minneapolis and St. Cloud. Uh, okay, Ray McClendon has joined us. 
Um, uh, uh, Gregory, uh, Norm, and um, uh, Ruth, can we can we wait? Give uh, Ray McClendon a couple of minutes to thank you, Vinny. Thank you very much for the that. The pleasure was all mine. Thank you, Harvey. Okay, and post everything in the chat. Ray McClendon has joined us. Uh, uh, Greg, uh, Ruth, and Norm, uh, can we give Ray a few minutes to give us an update uh, from Georgia, uh, uh, and then we're going to go straight into Wisconsin. Are you guys all good with that? Sure. Ray, Ray is the political director of the Georgia NAACP, a key player in the, in the Georgia miracle that somehow sent a, a black man and a Jewish guy to the U.S. Senate from Georgia. Words no historian uh, ever thought that would be spoken, but uh, here we are. Uh, uh, Ray, we know the, uh, and, uh, Ray, I hope you'll stay with us for the discussion of the grassroots campaign in Wisconsin because uh, it's critical we make these connections. Can you tell us, Ray, what's going on in Georgia with the legislature where they're trying to basically extinguish the right to vote? Well, we're literally in the middle of the uh, legislative session for 2023. Um, uh, today is what they call cro crossover day where uh, bills in each respective uh, chamber uh, must be passed by today to cross over to the the other respective chamber. Uh, what had come up with this year was SB 221, which was uh, another voter suppression bill. Uh, it was uh, consistent with all of the conspiracy theories from 2020, uh, all of the ultra conservative MAGA uh, talking points, uh, many of, of, of which fuel uh, these voter suppression bills. Uh, uh, aspects of, of those conspiracies were included in the bill, such as um, they were going to expand the right of individual citizens to uh, contest uh, the voting privileges of literally thousands of citizens. <clears throat> by virtue of merely having something incorrect on their voter registration, whether it's an address, uh, a, uh, the, the, the wrong middle initial, uh, anything could, could, could prompt that. Uh, as many of you may know, we had <clears throat> many uh, challenges under the previous um, law that had passed that allowed for these kinds of uh, of cha voter challenges. And uh, in most of the major jurisdictions, uh, which have uh, more diverse uh, local election board uh, representation, they were all voted down uh, in areas like Cobb County, Gwinnett County, Fulton County, uh, where there were tens of thousands of people being challenged. They want to make it that the SB 221 would have made it easier. SB 221 would also have eliminated drop boxes uh, as, as well as some, some other uh, nefarious acts. The good news is that based upon the efforts of, of um, many grassroots organizations um, like uh, NAACP Center for Common Ground, we were able to uh, muster up enough activity to get that bill killed. So that was the good news. The bad news is that the, the crossover rules allow for different provisions in the bill to be attached to something that's passing in one house um, to then uh, one chamber to then uh, flip over to the other side. So uh, we're literally watching every bill this afternoon to see if any of these provisions are going to be tacked on as amendments to, to, to the bills that will be passed. Uh, so we're not out of the woods yet on SB 221, uh, but at least we got the omnibus bill uh, defeated last week. And we're waiting to see what happens now with, with any provisions that may be amended or attached to, to other bills. Uh, so that's a, a that's a partial win, and we hope it'll be a complete victory uh, once we get through crossover later tonight. Uh, the second big item, uh, especially for Atlanta, but really is for all Georgia, is that 
Uh, many of you might have heard of something called the uh, Buckhead City Bill, which was a move to carve out or allow for uh, the, the neighborhood of Buckhead, which is uh, one of the most affluent areas in the city to de-annex from the city of Atlanta. Uh, this would have would have had major consequences for the city's bond ratings, for infrastructure, uh, and would uh, would have uh, damaged the city of Atlanta significantly had this been um, able to to move forward. Uh, th there were a number of ultra MAGA Trump folks who were behind that effort. Uh, many of whom don't even live in live in Atlanta. Some don't even live in Georgia. <clears throat> and again, we were able to uh, work with a with an interesting coalition, which included Governor Kemp, by the way, who came out and and uh, uh, came out against the Buckhead City Bill. And so that died. So that was a that was a big win for Georgia. Uh, and especially a big win for Atlanta. So, so we are continuing the fight. Uh, we, we are having to remain vigilant uh, even in this hour. And, and we hope that we'll have good, even more good news for you uh, by the end of this evening that we can report on next week. Well, we'll have you back next week, Ray. Magnificent. Uh, I, I assume you know Greg Lewis and Norm Stockwell and, and Ruth Conniff. If not, you all need to be in touch with each other. Uh, um, and uh, uh, Ray is, a con Ray is the, the go-to guy uh, for what's going on with voting rights in Georgia. And hopefully we can replicate some of his success now in Wisconsin. Myla Reason, you have a hand, Myla? I have a quick question and I'm wondering, Ray, is this um, um, development in outside of uh, Atlanta that's um, very controversial, is, is it like a third rail that people don't want to talk about publicly in Atlanta? I'm talking about what. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. And, and we know that there are many issues associated with it, uh, with, with the uh, training facility, but, uh, otherwise known as, as Cop City. Uh, the, the challenges for many of the local grassroots organizations is that uh, we like to work with the city of Atlanta as a partner. Uh, we have challenges with, with the leadership of the city of Atlanta from time to time and don't have a problem with breaking with them and advocating for um, our constituents and our community. Uh, but we're not uh, directly in alignment with a lot of the interests that have come into the city, just to be real candid about it, um, that see this as something bigger than uh, a, a local issue for, for whatever reason. And, and I don't want to get into whether or not their reasons are not legitimate in their own eyes and, and, and have some issues. But a lot of the local grassroots organizations are distancing themselves from, from uh, a, a lot of the activities from some of, some of these protesters uh, because of the violence and because we just don't know who they are and what their motivations are strategically compared to what we're, what we're trying to do. Okay. Uh, one specific, well, well, I'll stop right there. And, yeah, let's and come see. back to that next week, Ray. This is the cops. Uh, the Cop City um, uh, development outside of Atlanta. We want to do that next week if we can get into okay. detail because we've got a, a full boat here on Wisconsin. Thank you for bringing that up, Myla. Um, Ray, if you'll stick with us, please. Uh, sure. Congratulations. Be happy to. Thanks. Victories. Uh, it's pretty amazing that you're on the same side as the governor uh, on this uh, de-annexation. That's interesting. Um, well, one final note on that. I mean, the the, the governor uh, has uh, decided that he wants to get a better better hold on the Republican Party, and remember that he won without any without the, necessarily the support of the ultra MAGA crowd or Trump. So he can be a little bit more independent, and so he is 
uh, he's a part of outreach. So we believe in diplomacy. Uh, we actually, the Atlanta NAACP actually met with him last week. Uh, uh, we know that he's forging a better relationship with uh, Mayor Dickens in Atlanta. So uh, it might, he might not be uh, all that we would like in a governor, but certainly he is not what we have in the lieutenant governor uh, who is, uh, he was one of the fake electors, as an example, oh the lieutenant governor was, uh, was, and he was a strong proponent for, he he is a strong proponent for de-annexing Buckhead and also having the state take over control of Atlanta Airport, which is the crown jewel economic development engine for the entire state. And we know why he wants to do that. So, so we 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 have been able to forge a much better relationship politically with the government. That's amazing to hear. Okay, uh, Ray, you'll stick with us, please. Uh, sure. Norm, you, you should be in touch with Norm at the Progressive to get all this stuff into the great Progressive magazine, uh, one of the true um, <clears throat> jewels of the American Progressive movement for a hundred years. Uh, so we have Ruth, Greg Lewis, and and Norm Stockwell now to talk us about this uh, all important uh, Wisconsin. Supreme Court race. Uh, <clears throat> Greg, Ruth, uh, Norm, uh, who wants to start us off? Uh, um, uh, uh, Greg, do you want to start us off on souls to the polls and then Ruth give us a report and then Norm, does that work? Sure. Yeah, okay, Greg Lewis uh, from souls to the polls. Um, it, it's great to have you with us. Thank you so much. Thank you to Andrea for reaching out to you and, uh, and, and Wendy, uh, uh, thank you, Wendy. Uh, Greg, go ahead, and then we'll go to Ruth and Norm. No, no we, we just have a very important uh, Supreme Court justice race here. And we know that, you know, this uh, Supreme Court justice will probably affect everyday people. We just have to try to get the message out. So we're, you know, trying to work with, you know, folks who are older and, and ready to come out and vote. Uh, so, so we're starting something called Vote Tripling, where we're getting in touch with everybody we can to ask them to ask three people to come out and vote. And we're canvassing in, in six uh, cities all over the state. Uh, I don't know if you know about the state, but Ozaki County Racing, Green Bay, uh, Kenosha, and Beloit. So we're, we're really, now we're souls who oppose Wisconsin. And we really are working hard to get folks, especially folks in the church, to get out to vote. So we have what we call church ambassadors who, you know, have worked with us and they kind of uh, talk to their folks about getting out to the, the polls. So we're just really working hard trying to get folks and church leaders and leaders in our communities to come out and especially our rides to the polls. So we're trying to expand that for sure. And uh, we just think that this is a winnable race and uh, we ought to win. I mean, we should have won that uh, that Senate race, but about 30,000 Democrats split their votes. And uh, so we got to get them to play fair this time. So we're going to be trying to uh, make sure that we get this done. And I think it's quite doable. And uh, we're looking forward to having the balance of power change here in Wisconsin for sure. Great. Now, what is your strategy? What's your basic strategy, uh, 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 Greg? Well, actually, we, we want to make sure that we knock on as many doors as we can here in Wisconsin, all over Wisconsin. And we want to make sure that we do a lot of uh, radio and the, the Internet is going to be very important. We just don't have money for television. Um, we, we want to just light up the state with the information because we have to still let people know that there's a vote, especially in my community. For us, we have to do billboards. We got to do yard size, t-shirts, caps. We got to let people know there's an election and that's the most important thing. And we have to explain this thing called gerrymandering and let people know how their power is being really, really squeezed out of them by folks who really don't care about what they think or how they feel. And, and of course, we have to still fight to get drop boxes back in play. You know, we, we don't have uh, drop boxes in our state because the uh, Supreme Court eliminated them. Uh, so we're still fighting for that. And all the suppression we're still fighting for. But our main focus right now 
is the canvas and knock on as many doors as we can. Interesting. Uh, I would go to Ruth in a second. Last week we had someone on from Minnesota uh, who complained that uh, most people don't know about this race. Right. Okay. Uh, uh, Ruth Conniff, do you want to jump in now, please? Ruth? Sure. Do you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, just to back up a little bit, <clears throat> for people who don't know Wisconsin and don't know about the race, Wisconsin elects Supreme Court justices, not all states do. Some appoint their Supreme Court justices, the governors appoint them, or there's a commission that appoints them. In Wisconsin, we have a primary and a general election. It is a nominally nonpartisan race. Over the last couple of decades, it's become much more explicitly a, a, you know, a race that partisan actors are involved in, and an enormous amount of money is pouring in. So the Wisconsin Supreme Court race will be the most expensive state Supreme Court race in history this year for the entire United States. And, you know, it's seen as a bellwether. National media stories are talking about it as a bellwether for the 2024 presidential election. So you have one candidate who's supported by the Democratic Party, Janet Protasiewicz, who has explicitly said she supports abortion rights. Her conservative opponent, Dan Kelly, who was a former Supreme Court justice, he was appointed by Republican Governor Scott Walker and then lost his seat in an election, the first election that he had. He filled an empty seat. Uh, and then he he wasn't able to hang on to it. He was beaten by more than 10 points by uh, Jill Karofsky, who's another liberal on the court. There's a 4-3 conservative to liberal balance on the Wisconsin Supreme Court. So if this seat that's being vacated by a conservative is flipped, there will be a liberal majority and cases on our 19th century no exceptions abortion ban and on our gerrymandered political map are likely to come before the court. So that's why people say it's, you know, the New York Times has called it the most important race in 2023 in the country because those gerrymandered maps could be revisited and vote for Democrats statewide consistently. We have a huge majority of Republicans running our legislature. That that would change if the if the maps were revisited by a liberal majority court. Likewise, there's our attorney general, Josh Call, who's a Democrat, is bringing a case uh, trying to argue that the 19th century abortion ban, which was passed 70 years before women had the right to vote, before there was a germ theory of disease in medicine, <laughs> that, that that has been superseded by subsequent laws on abortion that, that you know, came, came through after Roe v. Wade. So if that case goes before a state Supreme Court that is friendly to abortion rights, we could have a very different scenario in Wisconsin. Currently, no one is offering abortions in Wisconsin. It's shut down immediately after Roe was overturned and women are having to go to other states. We have had women who are bleeding out when they have miscarriages and doctors are afraid to treat them for fear they could be charged with a felony and imprisoned if they were to treat those failed pregnancies. So we have a pretty dire landscape and that all of that is at stake. There's a lot that's really interesting about the race. I, I think the amount of money that has poured into Wisconsin and into Supreme Court races generally is really indicative that uh, this election model, which Democrats are on track to potentially win this year. Absolutely. They have Janet Prosewitz took 46% of the vote in a four-way primary. She was uh, she's way ahead in fundraising, but you know that that fundraising race is not necessarily a race that citizen activists want to see as sort of the contest over politics or or the courts. You know, the courts theoretically are supposed to be independent of politics. It's not supposed to be a bellwether for presidential elections. So I think there's a strong argument that it would be better to have a nonpartisan uh, nominating commission for judges in the same way that there's a strong argument that we should have a nonpartisan group drawing political and voting maps. But that's not where we are right now. But there's an April 4th election coming up and uh, it's going to be a very expensive election. And the two candidates are absolutely opposite polls. Dan Kelly, the former Supreme Court justice, he's a conservative, is criticizing Janet Protasiewicz for being political because she has said that she supports abortion rights, although she won't say how she'll rule in particular cases. He doesn't say currently in the current campaign how he perceives abortion rights, but let's just say he ran his campaign literally out of an office at Republican Party headquarters last time. 
He has taken more than $100,000 in payments from the Wisconsin Republican Party and the National Republican Party, including to consult the fake electors on their strategy to cast false ballots for Donald Trump after Biden won the state. He's supported by all the major anti-abortion groups in the state, and he has written a bunch of blog posts that were recently uncovered by a great reporter, Dan Bice, at the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, which he had taken down off of the internet because he didn't want them to be publicized during the campaign, but in which he talks about abortion. The only reason that people want abortion rights is because they want uh, sexual libertinism, as he describes it. You know, he's a he's a hardcore cultural conservative. Um, the pro-life groups are putting a lot of money into his campaign because they know how he would vote. So it's peculiar that he's positioning himself as sort of the above the fray jurist who's a uh, serious scholar of the Constitution and not, doesn't take political positions because he's clearly, you know, worked really hard for the political party here and uh, and very strong ideological positions. So that's that's kind of where we are. I think it will it'll affect state politics a great deal. It'll also affect national politics because redistricting is really significant in Wisconsin. Um, and we're you know we're a basically 50-50 purple state. Both Trump and Biden won here by 20,000 votes. So it's a very, you know, it's a much watched what has become a much watched national political race that used to be a sleepy nonpartisan judicial election. Right. One quick question: If the uh, if the balance on the Supreme Court changed, how quickly could they redistrict the state? Well, that's what's so interesting, right? Because if you only you have ten years, you're stuck until the next census with your political maps because they're based on the U.S. Census. If they were overturned, it could happen much, much sooner than that. It could happen in a very short order. Of course, the state Supreme Court is a terrible forum because they don't, you know, state Supreme Supreme Courts don't, they don't do fact finding. They don't, they really aren't a forum that should actually draw a map, but they could, you know, kick it back and require that it be redrawn. Federal courts have redrawn maps in Wisconsin numerous times. I think it's five times uh, when the legislature and the governor couldn't agree. So if this map is overturned, then there'll be a next series of steps, but it'll certainly, it's not going to go to the next census. It would happen in the next couple of years, potentially. Okay. Uh, uh, George, uh, uh, Norm Stockwell, you're with us. Um, uh, you, you win the prize for best beard. Uh, we have, uh, what do we got? 65 people on the call. Um, uh, go ahead, Norm. Uh, uh, if you'll segue from Ruth and Greg, that would be great. And we'll open it up. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you very much. It's great to be here with you. And uh, again, as, as Harvey mentioned, I'm with the Progressive Magazine. We're a 114-year-old political magazine based here in Madison, Wisconsin. So this is uh, something that we have been uh, living and breathing for, for more than a century. And I'll note also that Ruth has got an article coming up in our next issue that's going to be addressing a lot of the issues that, uh, that she just spoke about right now in the race. Um, you know, I don't have a lot to add about the importance of this race. I think what's interesting is a lot of people around the country have been contacting us and talking about how they want to, you know, campaign to let people in Wisconsin know that the race is important. Well, in fact, we do know in Wisconsin that this race <laughs> is important. Um, and really, the issue is the kinds of things that have been done over the last several years to make it more difficult to vote in this state. Now, um, Greg mentioned, you know, there's no drop boxes. I know that you folks out in California will find this hard to believe, but in Wisconsin, not only is there no drop box where you can drop your absentee ballot, but you can't drop an absentee ballot in a postal box if it's not yours. That is, if I go to take my wife's ballot and put it in the mailbox, I'm violating Wisconsin law. So those are the kind of restrictions we have. Also, the um, the voter ID law that was implemented here, uh, you know, dramatically penalizes students because your student ID has to have the date on it. If you don't have the date, you have to bring a copy of a fee receipt for your tuition payment in order for that ID to be valid. So these kind of things are totally geared at making it difficult for people to vote in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, we also have uh, shorter hours for uh, early voting. That was uh, constricted from what it used to be. We still do have same-day registration at the polls, which means you can go 
to your polling place and register, but you got to present proof of residence, which has to be one of a certain number of specific documents that that show your residence. So, you know, every different way that that they can, they have tried to restrict people's ability to vote. And that's why groups like like Greg's are so important in getting people out to the polls and helping people navigate this. There is a website that uh, is very useful. It's called myvote.wi.gov. It's a government-run website that gives people all this information about how to go about voting. But you have to get there, and you have to navigate through it and read all that stuff. And so it's much better to have community groups that are supporting people and helping them to to navigate through all of this complex uh, voter information that we have here in Wisconsin. So... You know, this as a word to people around the country, you know, you don't need to send a postcard to tell people in Wisconsin this is an important race, but it does help to tell people how they can actually participate in this race because not everybody understands the rules. And we've seen dramatic decline in um, uh, certain communities of people being able to vote simply because they don't know what the rules are and they're afraid to uh, to go to the polls and, and get turned away. Amazing. So w- one of the things we've been discussing, and I want to welcome uh, Josh Frank is on with us. Josh from uh, uh, Counterpunch. Josh will be talking in the second hour about the nuclear issues. Nice to see you with us, Josh. Uh, you probably know Norm Stockwell from Progressive.org. And uh, we have Ruth Conniff and, uh, and Gregory Lewis also. Ray McClendon is still with us from uh, the NAACP in Georgia. So um, the question, the, one of the questions we've been dealing with uh, is the the balance of money coming into a, a race like this uh, the, going f- from to grassroots groups to GOT get out the vote groups as opposed to TV advertising? And um, um, Greg, I think maybe if you put your link in the uh, in the chat, um, our one of our goals has been to redirect people's uh, focus away from TV advertising and into uh, on the ground campaigning. Do, are we seeing uh, that kind of dynamic play out in Wisconsin? How much of the grassroots money coming into the state and being raised in the state is going to grassroots organizing as opposed to TV advertising? Well, well, fortunately, a lot more money is coming in so that we can do the work because, you know, you asked, what's the strategy? Man, the strategy is to work hard as you can because there is no secret weapon. You just got to get out here. You got to let people know what's going on. You got to give them the information. You must let them know that there is an election. Hey, everybody, there's an election. And and that is that's the strategy. Let people know there's an election. And you got to kind of let them know what's what's at stake. You know, especially, you know, we've been trying to really clear up this thing with this gerrymandering. Because if, if we... If we don't win this seat, we'll probably be sitting here with a Republican uh, legislation for the next hundred years. This is a golden opportunity for us to come out and vote. That's why we have to do the groundwork. It has to be a groundswell. People in my community have to come out and we have to make sure that everybody understands there's an important election on April 4th. And that is the biggest I don't think we could get too sophisticated with this. You know, don't try to get too fancy. Just tell people, hey, man, we got to vote. That's what's happening right now. We got to let people know there's a vote. And then we have to go out and vote. Okay. And you're working with uh, Andrea Miller from the Center for Common Ground, I understand. Uh, Ruth, uh, Norm, do you want to talk about the um, effectiveness of grassroots organizing now as opposed to TV? What, what, how, how does it look in, in, your, in your camp? Well, the the TV air war is overwhelming in this race. There's never been so much money spent on TV ever in a race like this anywhere in the country. So ten and a half million dollars just in the primary. It's, you know, Illinois had the most expensive Supreme Court race so far. It was $15 million. We've almost broken that record now, today. So it's, you know, it's the ads, the sort of overwhelmingly negative, depressing ads, <laughs> that that's covered. You know, the and I think, you know, I liked what Norm was saying, because I think really the sense of um, efficacy that people can actually vote and navigating what has deliberately been created in terms of a really complex 
voter suppressive system is really, that's a really, really important thing for democracy advocates to care about and to pay attention to. And Republicans are definitely paying attention to it. There was a, a um, leaked letter from Robert Spindell, a fake elector from Wisconsin, who was party chair of his county, which is Milwaukee and surrounding suburbs. And he wrote a congratulatory letter about Ron Johnson's reelection victory in, this, in the US Senate race, saying that, very explicitly saying, we did an excellent job preventing people in black and Hispanic areas of Milwaukee from voting. We discouraged them with negative radio ads and we, we really held down voter turnout. And that's something that Republicans in Wisconsin can be really proud of, the, the, the suppressed voter turnout among voters of color. So, you know, this is, this is like really on the record strategy. We want to prevent people from voting in order to win elections. And so I think, you know, on the other side, souls to the polls, is doing fantastic work to try to empower citizens to cast their votes and weigh in. In wow. terms of in terms of the money spent, I mean, I think that it, it Janet Prosewitz has gotten more money, more outside money coming into the state than than Dan Kelly so far. But I think we may see that flip mm -hmm. as we get closer to April fourth, and that's a serious concern. But you know, TV ads. I mean. Frankly, TV is where the where the consultants always tell you to go, and it's usually the opposite of where candidates should be spending their money. One area that's really been developing as a as a market for advertising, and the Republicans, uh, as Ruth just mentioned, picked up on this uh, very heavily in the last uh, statewide race, is Spanish language media. We have a, a growing network of Spanish language radio stations around the state of Wisconsin, and uh, it seems like the Republicans have kind of latched onto that as a place to do advertising. And so I think that, uh, you know, that's a good, a good guide point for, uh, for people on the other side of the aisle to be looking at is what are the kinds of media that aren't TV that, uh, you can be using in this race to get the word out to people that are, uh, you know, that are saturated with all this TV advertising. Uh, Ray McClendon in Georgia, does this all sound familiar to you? And um, uh, I, I know there must be an NAACP in Wisconsin. Are they plugged into this race? Uh, I, I really don't know if they are, but but I, I just want to want to just reiterate um, what what Reverend uh, Lewis just said, and that is that especially in these communities of color, you need to get. Um, uh, investment in the hands of people like him to to touch those voters with a very specific set of messaging points that will resonate with them because most most of our voters in my experience in Georgia and and elsewhere has been that we tune the ad we tune those TV ads out a after a point in time they get tuned out and you have to have some trusted messengers in your community that people, can rely upon that they know to tell them what the real deal is. And unfortunately, uh, the, 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 those consultants uh, that the former speaker just talked about, <clears throat> we got to remember they are part of the scratch my back industry uh, that has become dominant where they're making money off of the way that they distribute those ads. So there's a reason that they continue to make that point. And in the meantime, those folks who are actually touching voters directly on a personal, relational level, uh, like like uh, brother, brother Lewis, um, they they go lacking uh, because of the the cottage industry of consultants. And we've got to change that paradigm if we're going to uh, make a difference in these communities that could really tip the balance of power. Well, I still haven't gotten over uh, uh, Ron Johnson being back in the Senate. I mean, that that's just mind boggling. And somebody must have missed a beat there somewhere. Um, uh, so, uh, you know, it's just disturbing to me. Uh, well, is it correct? Is it correct that I, I heard that 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 he directly indicated that he didn't get the investment from uh, the Democratic Party that he thought he should have? Now, I could be wrong on that. But I, 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 I know. Uh, Greg well, well, that was part of it. 
That, that yeah. was part of it. And the other part was that about 30,000 Democrats split their vote and voted for Ron Johnson. They voted color instead of voting party. And that is a killer. We should have a Mandela Barnes senator right now. And uh, so we have to overcome that with this uh, Supreme Court race. So we have to work even harder. You know, we got we got we have to overcome that for sure. Well, we we I, I, I'm still in shock over that race. I mean, uh, what an abomination that having the U.S. Senate. But um, uh, we previously on these calls were discussing the potential use of referenda uh, in 24 and the four issues, two of which you've mentioned, uh, choice, obviously, and gerrymandering. Uh, the other two big ones were Medicaid expansion and uh, and pot. Um, you know, marijuana is marijuana legal now in uh, in Wisconsin. What's the law on marijuana? No, no? we're surrounded by states where it is, though. <laughs> no, I know that you're you're downwind from Minnesota. So when people <laughs> in Hetty and upwind from Illinois, <laughs> there, there you go. Uh, so those are two issues that we we have this thought about. You know, for for referenda upcoming that might resonate in a, uh, in a Supreme Court race. I don't know how marijuana would play in, but certainly Medicaid expansion. Um, Medicaid expansion is interesting. I mean, our you know Democratic governor has tried to do Medicaid expansion. When Wisconsin elected all Democrats in statewide races in 2018, including Governor Tony Evers, who was recently reelected, um, the Wisconsin legislature, which is gerrymandered into heavy Republican control, passed a bill to take away the governor's authority to accept a Medicaid expansion without their permission. And Scott Walker on his way out the door signed that bill so that they disempowered Evers who, you know, we would have Medicaid expansion in Wisconsin now had that not happened. So that's See, one of the this, examples of gerrymandering with the, the effect of gerrymandering on our state. Exactly. This is going to be a huge race. And you're, you're right, Mr. Washington. You're, you're a pretty bright guy because, you know, we're really pushing young folks to come out and we're telling them, hey, man, you got to vote on this marijuana thing. <laughs> and, we, and we are working with the Coalition of Seniors, the League of Progressive Seniors for the Medicare, Medicare, all those issues for seniors. So we're just we're pulling out all the stops. All everything is. It's fair play now. We're just trying to make sure that people come out and vote. And that is certainly the case. But that marijuana is something that we really might get young people to come out for. And now they just have to know who to vote for when they do come out. Right. Well, the key to the marijuana issue with young people is you got to make sure that they vote after the election and not before, because then they'll, they'll forget to vote. Um, uh, but yes, ab absolutely. I'm amazed that marijuana is illegal in Wisconsin. That's that's incredible. Howie Hawkins, uh, you've got a, a Green Party network in uh, Wisconsin. Uh, I'm sure maybe this is a good time to connect with these folks and, and see if we can get them out. Howie, are you with us there? Are you unmuted? Let's unmute Howie here. Go ahead. Yeah, we talked before the show started. Uh, Norm Rockwell or Stockwell, um, I think I got his name right, was going to email me. You got my email, right? Okay, I'll get his email and I'll get it to the Greens in Wisconsin. Yes, and you should connect with uh, Greg there uh, from Souls to the Polls as well and with Ruth. But uh, we, you know, we need well, all available grassroots networks. Anybody, I know Hetty Tripp, you're next door in Minnesota. Uh, but a lot of people in Minnesota pay attention to Wisconsin politics. So um, uh, uh, that's a good connection. Okay. Uh, anyone uh, else? I need the email to get connected. Or okay. should I put my email in there? I'll put my well, email. I can, I can connect you two guys. I've got norms. Okay. Uh, okay. Anyone else want to comment here on, on this big race in Wisconsin before we go to the, uh, the newly fascist state of Florida? Steve, go ahead. Steve, uh, Steve Caruso. Yeah, was it some 11 years ago they had the Supreme Court race for Wisconsin? Was it Klippenberg or somebody like that? Klippenberg, yeah. And then who was the uh, clerk that pulled out 1,400 ballots after the vote was cast and said, oh, we just found 1,400 ballots. That puts our man over the top. That, yeah. I don't know if you remember that. but Yeah, in Waukesha. <laughs> However, I mean, I don't, you know, 
uh, I don't think it's a good idea to feed sort of the idea that there's all these ballots being hidden and pulled out from under tables in Wisconsin. That's very much the Republican narrative now and the election denier narrative. And, you know, it takes a while. We have a very decentralized system in Wisconsin. Local clerks are doing their best to get ballots together in time. Sometimes there are delays and it's slow, but there's no real mechanism for uh, committing massive voter fraud in Wisconsin, Donald Trump to the contrary. It's it's very much a local decentralized system. Do you have mostly yeah. paper ballots in Wisconsin? Yeah. No. Okay. So, and how about scanning machines? Are they scanned? Yeah, you feed them into a machine that scans okay. them and then they do a hand count. There's a, you know, multiple, multiple recounts, hand counts. They're counted at the precinct level and at the Wisconsin Elections Commission level, you know, over and over again, they're checked and recounted. Well, Wisconsin... Uh Go ahead, Norm. Oh, no, I just want to say one more thing before we leave Wisconsin, and that is, as a, as a couple of people have already mentioned, you know, this has been called the uh, the most important race of 2023, this particular Supreme Court race in Wisconsin. But Wisconsin uh, is going to remain in the in the focus of uh, the elections because, of course, the Republican National Convention is going to be in Milwaukee, Wisconsin in 2024, and also the first Republican candidates debate for the presidential race of 2024 is going to take place in Milwaukee. So definitely, you know, all eyes of the country are going to uh, continue to be on Wisconsin. April 4th is, uh, is pivotal, but we're going to see a lot of uh, interest continue here in the state in the uh, year and a half to follow. Right. And I, I, I will say, you know, I love Wisconsin, but you produce two of the worst politicians in American history, Scott Walker and Paul Ryan. So uh, I hope that you can. You forgot about Joe McCarthy. <laughs> oh, him. Well, that's that's ancient history. <laughs> but you're right about that. But also the great ones, you know, Robert LaFollette, and, um, and, and uh, so many great senators from Wisconsin. So let's hope you can do it. And, um, you know, my thing is if you, you can have a woman, if you have somebody run for a seat who has such an unpronounceable name, you should really should have nominated Antenta Kumpo. That would have been, that would have been a really good one. But nonetheless, um, uh, Jeffrey Barto, you have a quick question, please. Very quick, Jeffrey. Um, on mute you, we have 68 people on the call. We're going to go to Florida in a minute, but I want to make sure we've got every dot uh, covered here in, in Wisconsin. We're going to do we're going to come back to Wisconsin every week until the uh, election. So if you guys can uh, folks can uh, produce, give us more contacts to have on. I want to keep this focus on Wisconsin. And again, we're focusing on grassroots as opposed to media buys. I mean, what what, what you know, our, our experience now is uh, we're beyond all that. We need. $20 an hour people uh, knocking on doors as opposed to $20,000 an hour TV ads. So uh, let's do it this way. Jeffrey, go ahead, please. Jeffrey. All right. Very uh, quick. Can you hear me? Yes, very quickly, please. Um, um, it's not, not a question, more of a request. I, I want to know, know if I can have a final say before we move from democracy. Final, final, final um, something I want to say, say before we move from democracy to topic of democracy to something okay, else. Okay, we'll get you later. Thank you, Jeffrey. Thank okay, you. thank you. Okay, uh, everybody, you're all connected. Um, uh, and uh, Josh Frank um, uh, from Counterpunch, uh, uh, I think you, you're in touch with Norm and you'll want to do coverage, I hope, at, at Counterpunch uh, on this incredibly critical race. And uh, Josh, I don't know if you're also in touch with uh, Ray McClendon in Georgia, but I will uh, pr provide you with his contacts as well. Okay? Mm -hmm. And if people want to follow the day-to-day -day, uh, coverage of this race, check out Ruth's website, wisconsinexaminer.com, uh, and also our website, progressive.org. We'll have uh, uh, regular coverage as well. All right. All right. Well, we, we, well, we're returning to Wisconsin next week. I did not want to remember, Norm, while you're still on, I want to mention the passing of the great uh, Jerry Manperl uh, here in Los Angeles. Jerry was a, a really pillar of the of the progressive community here and he will be incredibly missed uh it's hard to even talk about it but uh, jerry was a wonderful wonderful asset and just a beautiful human being and we we really really miss him and norma you got the chance to meet him out here so it's great uh mimi do you have a, a question for wisconsin here mimi spreadberry yes i do i was wondering if those uh publications were on social media, please, to share. 
And if th that could be put in chat, because I don't want to take up any uh, too much time from anybody. Thank you. Okay, you, you can you put the links to progressive.org and Ruth, your publication, and of course, Greg uh, Souls to the polls. And we'll uh, of course, we also not have just, uh, Ray, Ray McClendon. Not just websites, but social media as well, please. Please, yeah, okay. put, it, put it in there. And Mimi is, uh, is uh, uh, way younger than the rest of us, so she knows how to work <laughs> with social media, uh, which I Thank don't. you for the kind compliment. Thanks, <laughs> okay. y'all. All right, everybody. Thank you. That was um, a really important uh, uh, piece of it. We will be ne back next week with we're going to, as I say, we're going to cover this every week uh, until the April 4th vote. And uh, let's just pray for this one. This is a really big one. Uh, so thank you all. Thanks, Norm, Greg, Ruth, uh, Howie. Um, um, and let, let, let's let's as they say, as Al Davis used to say at the uh, for the Oakland Raiders, uh, just win. <laughs> Please. OK. Uh, someone else wanted to say something here. OK, I wanted to go to Wendy Lederman real quick. Um, uh, we're getting reports out of Florida that pretty much defy description. Um, uh, 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 Governor DeSantis, who I call Governor Bookburner, is just really moving ahead with politics to the right of anything we've seen in this country. Uh, uh, really, truly astounding. We are nonpartisan, uh, but uh, I, I will open this by saying, and I have never as a historian seen any attempt like this before in American history. And Norm, you'll, as a publisher, Ron DeSantis, and correct me if I'm wrong, Wendy, Ron DeSantis is proposing a bill that would require people who criticize him on, on social media to register with the state of Florida? So you, you have to, uh, Josh, you'll, as a counterpunch, you'll be, you have to register with the legislature to not criticize even, the governor? Did I get that right? Well, kind of, Harvey. It's not just to criticize him, just to write about him at all, or any other elected official, just to write about him. Otherwise, you can face fines. I'll go ahead and um, drop an article in the chat. But yeah, it was um, it's a bill that was presented um, in the House, the state house. And I mean, honestly, like, I'm not sure that this would go unchallenged as a First Amendment issue. But just to even inch the pendulum that way is pretty terrifying. I mean, I can't explain enough about like on the ground, like all the things that DeSantis is doing in ways of just upending democracy and what his um, role as an elected official is. It's, I mean, it's unlike anything, again, it just defies belief and imagination, like you said. And there's actually like a slew. I mean, I wish I had more time um, to go into all the we'll bills. That are, yeah. I, I, am, I am flabbergasted. <laughs> uh, Norm Stockwell, you're a, you're a historian. You're, you, you follow history. You mentioned the great Joe McCarthy. Joe McCarthy never proposed a law requiring you to register with the government in order to criticize elected officials. And has anyone ever heard in American history of a bill that would require you to register with a legislature in order to, to criticize elected officials? Or just to write about them, even just to write about like, I mean, so it, it's like it's even beyond even just to say the name. And I'm not even sure if this applies to people only in Florida or if he wants to go like what in his imagination is he thinking that he's going to accomplish with this? And it's it's not necessarily like I said, I have to um, find I think it's like Borden or something is the name of the representative that that proposed it. I think it's more of a symbolic gesture. Um, but I, I unfortunately, I can't use the language on the show that would be appropriate to describe how I really feel about this um, and what I think that it, it is. Um, but it's definitely Steve, a show of power. Steve, will you show that again? Uh, I, I want to make sure everybody understands that we're not making this up. Uh, 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 can you put this up again? There you go. Florida bill would require bloggers who write about governor to register with the state. I, I, I mean, I, I, I'm floored by this. This is the most, 
I, I think that, fine. My, so, sorry, Harvey. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead, Wendy. Thank oh, you. Oh, no, that's no problem. You, Thank you. Um, you yeah, no, are they face fines? I mean, it's like, and then who knows what they would like to push that to because, I mean, everything is incremental, you know? It's like, well, you're starting with this and that's what you're starting, like, you're coming out of the gates with. And and just to, like, compare this, you know, we just had Vinny on with the Assange Defense Fund. I mean, this is why it's so important to protect gener- journalism in general. And um, we really need to be amping up the the First Amendment and the right to free speech because, I mean, it's what it, what it represents when you are afraid to speak out. I mean, Kennedy, John right. Kennedy said that the only um, business that's protected by the Constitution is the press because democracy and the republic can't thrive without it. So, right. um, uh, Tatanka, yeah. thank you, Wendy. I, I mean, I'm terrified. We'll do a deeper dive on Florida next week because we're going to We've got Josh, we're going to jump into the nuclear issue, but Tatanka, did you want to say something here on that? Yeah, I suggest, Wendy, um, I mean, me speaking as the the first uh, uh, grassroots organizer for Amnesty International in the United States, that they are, a, a, we should contact Amnesty. You're breaking up on find out which heads of state or heads of government anywhere in the world <laughs> what'd you say go ahead go ahead you oh. were breaking up but go ahead oh i'm sorry we should find out who in the world which dictators in the world or parts of the world have used this tactic and just you know report it this is what's happening this is what I mean, he wants to turn florida and the united states keep in mind just to talk a suggestion sorry. Oh, sorry, you're breaking up, so I don't mean to interrupt you. It's hard to tell when you go um, ahead. Go, go, Wendy. But yeah, no, I mean, keep in mind we have um we have Bolsonaro hanging out in um in Orlando. I mean, there's pictures of him like wandering around the supermarket, like totally lost, like 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 he's got some mental issues, which I'm sure he does. But that's that's where we're at. That's the reality. Like I said, I'm in Florida. I'm seeing like we also just to quickly touch on some of the other bills that are being introduced, like. They're making it so that the local governance can't have any control over um, protecting their own water or their own environment, um, permits being issued. They're making it really, really, really hard to um, have any, like the reforming tort law. So it would give, take away any kind of liability against corporations for anything that they want to do. So it's, it's, an, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fascist overhaul is basically what I'm going to call it. It's part of a, a, something larger but they don't, they don't care. Like this is like, they tout themselves and they have like, again, you were talking about like, you know, the radio and all that, like they've really taken over the radio shows. They've learned like the language of a lot of the foreign speaking people here. So they have like this whole really misled cult where people on it, like they get so much support from people that really think that they're concerned. Meanwhile, like the other hand is, is really just taking from them and, yeah, it's it's just such a deceitful, deceitful thing that's happening. Like it's creeping in from all different directions in so many different ways. And like they, I guess I could say like they just they get off on it. It's like such a power trip for them. To, well, to- it's hard. I think at this point in time, the term fascist is an understatement of what's happening in Florida. It's, it's impossible to overstate the danger. And um, and and uh, DeSantis, uh, book burner is out here in LA right now raising money. So clearly he's gonna run for president. I mean, he makes Donald Trump look, uh, you know, like a walk in the park, this guy. Yeah, I'm definitely uh, more the, terrified the, of the, him. Anyway, the idea that you could be forced to register to express an opinion, I don't, even, I don't have to tell this group. Thank you for that, Wendy. We'll yeah, come back. You're welcome. And I just want to um, remind about all the people that were arrested for voting after um, registering with the state. Like that's how, crazy yes. this guy is he's a violent like violent by heart i'll just put it that way and in, in every sort of way not just directly but financially um legislatively all that thank you harvey appreciate it thank you we'll come back and we'll do a deeper dive on florida next week but it's absolutely terrifying i want to notify my re- listeners at the progressive radio network uh we'll be signing off now uh from the first hour and uh, if you want to hear the rest of the show uh, come to uh, uh, electionprotection2024.org. We will be continuing to record and to webcast. We're going to go into the nuclear issue now. Uh, uh, thank you, Wendy. Thank you, all the folks from Wisconsin. Thank you, Ray McClendon, uh, for the report from Georgia. Uh, um, uh, Jerry Manperl, we are with you in spirit. We hope you're on the call. 
And um, uh, thank you. And remember also the tour of the uh, Assange film uh, that's going around the country now. So uh, please look, look for that. Uh, it's called Ithaca, I-T-H-A-K-A. Uh, there are, is review. Um, uh, Josh, have you reviewed it at uh, Counterpoint yet? The Counterpunch, the, uh, uh, the film on, on Assange? No, not yet. Okay, I'm going to unmute you. No. Um, uh, no Jeff Barco, you wanted a quick word before we leave the democracy discussion. Very, very. And quickly, Harvey, I just interrupt for a second. Uh, you may not see that Dorothy also, Dorothy Reich has her hand. Oh, raised. Dorothy Reich has a hand. And, and, and Hetty Tripp as well. Oh, okay. Very good. Thank you for that. Was there an Adam? Was there an Eve? Or did we evolve from what we conceived? Either way, we got what we needed when the sun shone down on the Garden of Eden. <laughs>